0: All right. Welcome, Mike. We're glad to have you here this evening. Great. Thank you, Dan. and glad to be with everyone tonight. As we look at this important aspect of the Bible, 10 things about God, and certainly as Dan has commented on, there's certainly many more than 10 things about God that we can try to identify, both from the Old and the New Testament. But we're going to focus most of our attention, at least in our presentation portion, on Aspects of God that we can learn from the New Testament, in particular, one of the writings of the Apostle Paul, the book to, Rome, to the believers at Rome, which was a section that Dan concentrated on in his segment last week. So 10 things to, to, that we can learn about God. And when we think of last week's section, these two topics are very strongly linked. We've got find answers, find truth, find hope. And an integral part of that is coming to know the God of the Bible, to find answers about his character, to find the truth about what the Bible expresses about the character and attributes of God. And to realize that bound up within that understanding of God's character is this great, marvelous hope that we can have offered to us if we would but search out our scriptures. Now, as Dan commented last week, where there is hope, there is life. I might actually encourage us to turn that around and say, where there's life, there's hope. While we're yet living, we still have the capacity, the potential, the opportunity to learn about this great hope. So you might say that we've got an urgency. All of us have a finite lifespan, and yet God has given us all this great capacity. And as we say in John's epistle, and this is the promise that he hath made to us, to each of us, that of eternal life. And we're going to see how that's closely tied to coming to a correct and a full understanding of God's character. Now we look at a passage starting out first in John's gospel, which is the fourth of the gospels that we find in the New Testament. And we've got this pivotal statement made that really has a tremendous bearing on what we're concentrating on tonight. And I'll just read these few verses to you and then we'll comment on them. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and you can think of that opening graphic, where from God's perspective, he looks upon the earth, and from the perspective of man, we gaze up into the heavens, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life. There's an important principle there. It's a gift, It's not something that we can earn by works, but it is in fact a gift by God's love to those who would respond to his message, to all whom you have given him. So you might see from that verse that there are those who would be receptive, those who would be given to Christ because they had been appointed by God. And then the third verse, and this is eternal life, and here we have one of those verses in the scriptures that are used, are really a a Bible definition. You might say this is a Bible definition of eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So knowledge of God, and secondarily of the Lord Jesus Christ, is fundamental to us being able to partake of this promise of eternal life. So with that as a starting point, let's start searching for those 10 things that the Bible can tell us about God that we can discuss this evening. Now, as we mentioned, the book of Romans can be a very helpful uh, starting point for us in this search. And what we've tried to do for sake of convenience and to make it so that you can readily follow on uh, with us uh, to reflect on this section of scripture afterwards is to draw our thoughts from the first chapter of Romans. But that's not the only place that we can learn about God. And we'll see that from our questions. So keep in mind, there'll be some other important scriptures that'll give us more of an indication of other attributes of God. So we can find out a lot from this single chapter in our Bible. But once again, let's just start by reading what's there and then see what points we can glean from these critical verses. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we can see fundamentally that God has promised us a good news, and eternal life is certainly one of the best news propositions you can find. But here it's tied to this teaching, this good news of the gospel message, which has been offered to mankind by God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And that's an important statement because it shows that these principles, this teaching of a gospel message, find its appearance formally in the Old Testament and will be then fulfilled and expanded upon and clarified as we get into the, the New Testament. So it's not a new message. It was something that was available in Old Testament times. But the verse would continue and say concerning his son, who was descended from Adam or from David, according to the flesh. God has a son. That's another important thing that we learn about God. He had a gospel, he has a son, and this son has a particular heritage. He has his family tree linked back to this man, David, who, if we might know, was an individual in the Old Testament, thinking about that story of David and Goliath, who would become a king. But first and foremost, he was a man. And that was what is being described for us here in this third verse of Romans chapter one. And it's important that we understand him because remember from our first passage, that's the second part of our Bible definition of this being eternal life. So those are the first two points that we can learn about God. And as we continue on in Romans chapter one, we can find a whole uh, range of other ideas that can help build out our top, our 10 things that we learn about God. The first is that he was declared to be the son of God in power. Declared is sort of a fancy word that just means shown or proven or demonstrated. He was demonstrated or proven or shown to be the power, the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, what's our third point? Well, God gave power to his Son. It was power that he had, and that this power was an instrumental in, in fact, restoring the Lord Jesus Christ to life following his crucifixion. Those are important things that we learn about God. It's a God in the Bible is a powerful God who has a son. And as we go on to continue in verse four, that God has a particular group of individuals that he is going to reach out to. God loves a select group of people he calls saints. And we can see that described for us in verse seven. To all those in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be saints. So there's a particular selection. There's a choice that's been made by God because of those individuals who would have a particular interest in coming to know about God. And I would like to think that I was one of those individuals who had an interest in in my younger years about who God was. And he would go on to say, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, because of that unique relationship, because out of God's love, he called this particular group of believers, to them, he's able to have this relationship as their father. It's a unique uh, position, a unique standing that they have because of this belief that they have in God. As we continue on in in Romans chapter 1, we're told, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may know at, may now at last succeed in coming to you. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been, been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So what is the thought we can glean from that? Well, God's will controls everything. It was very active in how the Apostle Paul Uh, lived his life, and he saw that certain key actions within his day-to-day circumstances were, in fact, directly uh, ordered by God, such that he might have a choice or a desire to do something, but if it wasn't according to God's will, then he would be prevented from doing that. Now, this gives us a tremendous hope, because if God's will controls everything, then everything we see around us, what's happening in society today— is something that God has the capacity to make uh, take action on. And it shows that there is a key Bible truth that can be there to, to give us hope. That we're not left in a hopeless state. That we have a God who desires to love us and desires to work in our lives. And in fact, God will impact the lives of those he has chosen. And you might sense or feel that impact even in your own personal experiences. So what's number seven? Well, in verses 15 and 16 of that same chapter, we have these thoughts. For Paul would say to the believers at Rome, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And we can think of Rome today. It's the capital city of of Italy. We can find it on a map. And that was the, the grouping or the positioning of these believers that Paul was interacting with. For he would say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So God had a power that he gave to his son. That power was used to restore him. But there's something that's connected with this gospel message that is also endued or given power. But its power has has the ability to change or to to mold our lives, to give us a, a hope of eternal life, a salvation that's described here, if we would but believe it. So the gospel of God has the power to save those that choose to believe its message. And it's all about choice. God is willing to work in our lives if we desire him to work with us. If we desire to choose to a life without God, then that, that hope is also something that is then out of our reach. And you notice here that there's an important statement at the end of verse 16. For he said that to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And when we think about our Bibles and we think about particularly the Old Testament, it was given to the Jewish people. And even the Lord Jesus Christ himself was a Jew. They were given the opportunity to receive this gospel message first and foremost, and then it would be extended to those who had a similar faith, but were non-Jews, those who were the Gentiles, who were outside of the normal Jewish circle. So when we look at our, our, our final passage in Romans chapter 1, we have our last three elements about the 10 things we can learn about God. For we're told, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Well, how did he do that? Well, it says in verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. There's quite a bit in those two verses that we need to sort of unpack. We're told, for what can be known about God is plain. It's something that can be clearly seen, and it reiterates that in the middle of verse 20, where it says, have been clearly perceived. We can use our discernment, our powers of deduction, and we can see God active. But where do we see him active? Because we have this strange phrase here in verse 20 for his invisible attributes, God is spirit. We can't see God, but we can see the influence of his power and of his design and his will being exercised in key things like what has been created on our globe. Both the flora, the fauna, the the topography, all of those are physical manifestations. They're evidence that this creation had an order. It had a, a design and a construction to it that give testimony or evidence to the fact that God exists, and it was by God's wisdom and by God's design that these things came into being. So let's summarize those three points that we've seen in this verse. God is invisible. God is eternal. You notice that it said he had eternal power. Well, if you have eternal power, it certainly is is quite logical to think that you have to have the ability to live for eternity to exercise that power. So you're undying. You're not like us. You're not mortal. You're not limited by the, the deficiencies within our body as being mortal beings. And lastly, the point number 10, there's the reality and the evidence of God's existence, which can be clearly found within the creation. And in fact, it's irrefutable. Others might try to ascribe it to a different origin, but the Bible makes it clear that it was created and ordered by God, and such we can trust in what we see in that beauty as something that was purely of a d- divine origin. And later on in verse twenty-five, it in fact would identify God as the creator. So it's implied here in verse twenty. It's clearly stated in verse twenty-five. So let's wrap up our uh, the points we've looked at tonight. The 10 things that we found out about God from Romans chapter 1, well, that God has a gospel, and it's a good news for mankind, and we're all looking for good news right now, that God has a son who descended from David. So he's an individual who can be sympathetic to us because of his humanity, but he's the son of God when he was raised to power through resurrection, that God gave power to his son and also his power to restore the life of his son, which meant that Christ could not do that on his own. And that God loves a select group of people he calls saints. And they are given certain privileges, opportunities. And for them, God is their father. That God's will controls everything. And that the gospel of God has the power to save. So you might say the hope of eternal life is specifically tied or dependent upon this gospel message to those who believe its message. The God that we serve is invisible. And yet he's full of power and he's eternal, and that the creation gives an ongoing testimony to his very existence and the wisdom and design of his creation. And there's so much more that we can learn about the God of the Bible, and we'll look at some of those in our question segment. But now let's look for just in conclusion at a statement in John chapter 3, because we often might see this verse or one of these verses being commonly shared or put on billboards or signboards, but it's the whole section that we need to reflect upon in relation to what we've learned tonight. For we're told, for God so loved the world, and we know that that's talking about a specific group of people, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, that's the special group of people, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, He's got a positive, a good news message, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. We're not without hope. We have a great hope. And whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because they made a choice to ignore God. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In a sense, he turned his back on the hope of eternal life. And this is judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. And in reality, we always have those choices. But I'd like to think that as I learned as my younger years, and as I've come to understand in reading the Bible in more detail, there is such a wonderful hope to us, us that where there is life, there is hope. So take advantage of it and continue to learn about God. If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials, and also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards, as well as some very useful Bible study tools. We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description, as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God.